Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monorail Radio, episode number 139. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And may the fourth be with you. And also with you, rebel scum. <laughs> oh, thanks! <laughs> I don't even... You know what? I'm impressed. I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. All right, so we are here to discuss 2019's Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. This is the ninth chapter of the... Star Wars story here, and I know that you and I spent a lot of time discussing what exactly we thought this title meant. So let me be the first to ask you, when you heard The Rise of Skywalker, what did you initially believe that meant for this film? I really feel like there's a lot of different ways that you can interpret it. And I, I do think, and we will certainly discuss this after our review, Yeah, I think you do get a definitive answer. Oh, absolutely. I feel like there's a lot of ways that you can interpret it. But when I first heard the title, without knowing Ray's lineage yet... I thought we were going to find out that she was a Skywalker in some way as well. That's not what I think anymore, obviously, but that was my sight unseen initial reaction. What about you? I thought this was basically going to be the rise of the Jedi, but they didn't want to call it the rise of the Jedi. It's sort of like Rey is going to take the Skywalker legacy and everything that she learned from Luke and, and take from Luke's sacrifice of himself at the end of The Last Jedi and use that as a, as a springboard for rejuvenating the Jedis. That's kind of what I thought it was going to be. But I guess you didn't want to have The Last Jedi into The Rise of the Jedi because it kind of wouldn't really make sense. Exactly. And that's sort of what I thought this was going to be. Is that what this turned out to be? That's what we're here to discuss today. This review is sponsored by the Hidden Mickey Supply Co. Products include Disney and Pixar-inspired 3D straw charms. Listeners of Monoreal Radio can get a 10% discount with the code MONOREAL10 at checkout. Visit Instagram or Etsy, search for Hidden Mickey Supply Co., and shop for all of your straw charm needs, especially if you are a Star Wars fan because they have some really awesome Stormtrooper helmets and Darth Vader helmets, and they just look awesome on your drinks. Yes. Emperor Palpatine, assumed dead, has been hurt, and Kylo Ren is obsessively searching for him, and when he finds him, Palpatine offers him a new empire in exchange for killing Rey and ending the Jedi. He also warns that she isn't who she says she is. Meanwhile, Rey is continuing her training, but is unable to hear the voices of the Jedi that came before her. After making contact with a spy, Poe informs everyone that Palpatine has returned and assembled the final order on the planet Exegol. 
on Pasana. Ray and the others search for the Wayfinder to lead them to Exegol. There, they meet Lando Calrissian, who tells them his flying days are over, but helps lead them to a dagger that acts as a clue to the Wayfinder. The First Order pursues them, captures Chewie, and takes the dagger, as well as the Millennium Falcon. However, C-3PO has read the clue inscribed on the dagger, but he can't read it out loud because he has programmed, or he has been programmed, to never read Sith. And the clue was written in Sith. They travel to Kajimi to take C-3PO to a droid smith who can extract the clue from his memory, but it will lead to a complete memory wipe. They then rescue Chewie, who they feared dead, from Kylo Ren's Star Destroyer. There, Kylo Ren tells Rey that Palpatine had her parents killed, and he informs her that she is Palpatine's granddaughter. We also learn that General Hux was a spy and helps to free Chewie, Poe, and Finn. Rey, refusing to help Kylo Ren uh, overthrow Palpatine escapes on the Falcon. They fly to a moon in the Endor system and find the Wayfinder in the remains of the Death Star. Ren arrives, destroys the Wayfinder, and battles Rey. In a dying act, Leia uses the Force to distract Ren long enough for Rey to stab him. But feeling her die, Rey heals Ren and leaves him behind as she steals his ship and heads off uh, to go really exile herself. Ren sees a vision of Han Solo who tells him that Kylo Ren is dead, but Ben Solo is alive. So Ben tosses his lightsaber into the water. Palpatine initiates the final order and destroys Kijimi. Rey has been exiled, at least she has self-exiled, to Octo, where a vision of Luke Skywalker tells her that she must face Palpatine to end the war and save the Jedi. He also gives Rey Leia's lightsaber. She takes Ben, uh, or she takes Ben's Wayfinder as well as Luke's X-wing and leaves for Exegol, sending coordinates to Poe and Finn. The Resistance, now led by Poe who is the acting general, set off to fight Palpatine's final order. Upon their arrival, Palpatine tells Rey to strike him down and take over the Empire, or else Poe, Finn, and the rest will be killed. She initially agrees, but Ben arrives, and together they fight off Palpatine's men. Palpatine, however, uses their life force to restore himself. Meanwhile, Lando and Chewie arrive on the Falcon with reinforcements and fight off the Final Order's fleet. Palpatine attacks the Resistance with lightning, but Rey finally hears the voices of the Jedi and destroys Palpatine before dying herself. Ray uses, or Ben, I should say, uses all of his life force to save Ray. They kiss, he dies, and the resistance destroys the final order. Ray travels to Tatooine and buries Luke and Leia's sabers at Luke's childhood home. She then refers to herself as Ray Skywalker. And that is what the rise of Skywalker means. Okay. Before we go back to the beginning, I want to ask you right now, as far as a payoff, how do you feel the payoff is here, that that is what the rise of Skywalker is? Because I, like, I felt like you could have named the film The Rise of Skywalker 
without having her refer to herself as Ray Skywalker. I'm happy you're asking that now and that we can sort of get this out of the way before we unpack the rest of the film. Um, I think the payoff sort of justifies your theory of what Rise of Skywalker meant was that it was going to be about Ray's journey to becoming a Jedi. I actually... I'm I'm happy with that, that it is her journey, but I don't feel like she has the right to call herself a Skywalker. I think she has the right to call herself a Jedi. I think that she embodies everything about Luke and Leia. But, I mean, th- there was a part of me that was like, is this like the end of Titanic where Rose takes Jack's last name? Is that why you want to take Skywalker? Really, I think it would have almost been more effective if she said Ray Solo to speak to her feelings about Kylo Ren. But because she is by herself and she's acting alone, I think that may have been more powerful. But... I actually think the rise of Skywalker means something different. I don't think it has anything to do with her saying that she's Ray Skywalker. I think it's about Ben's journey and Ben coming back to the light from the dark. See, that's what I want to believe, but I think that they were just way too on the nose with that being the line that ends the film. It's fine. I get it, but I would have preferred if it was just a code word for Rise of the Jedi. This, to me, seems very on the nose, kind of cheesy. Um, but with all that being said, I don't want that to spoil my review of the film either. Right, but as far as this being the end of the Skywalker saga, because we know that Star Wars is just going to go on and on forever, as yeah. long as Disney Plus exists... Um, I think that sort of was a disservice to the Skywalker saga in itself. All right, so let's go back to the beginning now. I love the open of this film because I love sadistic Kylo Ren. He's beyond unhinged. I love that Palpatine literally gets into his head. I think that the film wastes no time in hitting the ground running. I agree. I think that... If anything, though, if I remember correctly, he starts becoming very, very conflicted in The Last Jedi. This is Kylo Ren we're talking about. Right. Because he and Rey do kill Snoke together. So it's kind of weird that he sort of regresses a little bit, but... I can sort of buy into the fact that he is just that confused and he doesn't know what else to do. I think the regression comes from the confusion. So that doesn't bother me. And we have reviewed the first two in this trilogy. Yeah. We did them before this premiered in theater. So we're going to link to those in the show notes so you can listen to our reviews on those films. But, um, you know, we recently rewatched in preparation to, to review Rise of Skywalker and knowing what we know now, I, I definitely think this is a good place for him to start off in because he takes down Snoke and a lot of that is for personal gain. But I do believe that he really wanted to 
form a new order with Ray and not just rule with her by his side, but I think, you know, he really believed what he was saying that we have to, we have to just start fresh and we can't look to the past. We just have to look to the future. I think it was when Ray turned away from him that he really became unhinged and more conflicted. I think he had a clear vision of what he wanted to do. And I think he thought that she was on the same page. And because he has no relationship with his family, he has no one to lead him anymore that's being the brains to his muscle. Now he's got to do both. I think it messed him up that he's completely on his own. Mm -hmm. I also think if we're going to talk about regression, we get this training sequence with Ray. That's fine. We see that she's struggling with her training. What I'm not buying here is Poe Dameron. And I love Poe Dameron, but him complaining that Ray is too busy training and she should be fighting with them makes him seem incredibly pouty. Right? Because you start off with Poe and Finn and we see that this bond has strengthened into this brotherhood. And that's when he starts complaining that Ray hasn't been there with them. Like, I felt like that was so uncharacteristic. But even Poe and Finn are, are kind of pouty with each other. And it seemingly comes out of nowhere because it's not like they had any conflict at the end of The Last Jedi either. Well, I think Finn got pouty once Poe took the dig at Ray for not being there. But the thing and, and it's wrong. It's, Finn yeah. is backing her up because she's, I mean... They're all serving this greater purpose. It's not like she's sitting on a beach somewhere. You right. know, she's she's doing what she needs to do. And she's fulfilling her role just as much as they are, even though she hasn't been on the front lines. Yeah. The whole thing, though, just kind of misses for me because you have the three of them that are sort of just barking at each other. Right. And then within minutes of screen time, and I'm wondering if they cut a scene, then you've got this dream team assembled that's about to head out on the Falcon, which includes Poe, Finn, Ray, C-3PO, R2, and BB-8. Right. Or I think, no, wait, is R2 going to stay behind? It's definitely BB-8. R2 stays behind with Leia. He's with Leia. Oh, oh, and Chewie. That's, yeah, that's the other one, and yeah, Chewie. But it's it's your, your classics and your new heroes, and they're going to go out for, for one more party. So... I, I feel like because you get all your core team together, there's a little bit of a payoff on them being at odds, but you put them at odds just for that moment, which doesn't really make sense. We all would, as fans and pandering to the fans, we all would have been just as happy to see them go on board the Falcon for one last run. It just seems completely unmotivated. There's no, there's no path as to... There's no path that led them here. There's no way to justify why they are behaving towards each other the way that they are. Before we get too much farther ahead, I also want to talk about something that was a little wonky for me. When Ray, when we see her before she runs the training course, she's she's calling out to the rest of the Jedi, be with me. Yeah. And the rocks are spinning around her head. The CGI is so bad with those rocks in that moment. I, I couldn't believe... I'm like, this is your ninth chapter. 
and, and we're talking about like Jar Jar Binks bad. As soon as she flips down to the ground, and that looks really cool, she's mm-hmm. fine. But I was like, are we, we are really not much farther than episode one right here. The funny thing about these Star Wars films is that the special effects in the first three are the best f- special effects of the nine films. The special effects in the prequels are pretty atrocious. The special effects in The Force Awakens are really good, and they're basically, at times, unwatchable in The Last Jedi. And I think that a lot of this has to do with the fact that, more times than not, it's not puppets, it's not practical sets, it's not practical effects. They are relying far too much on... CGI and when you have this sort of fantastical world this this outer universe this this something you know it's it's completely made up yet it's so familiar at the same time I feel like they try to push the envelope so much that they end up stepping on their own feet Right, because she could have been doing anything she could have been seated anywhere in that meditative pose We didn't need the rock spinning around her head. Like, not for anything, but look at Wakanda. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at at some of the worlds that have been created in Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Like, this is all Disney at the end of the day. It's all Disney. It's all the same company. So, where you get some of this really bad CGI, it's sort of unjustifiable you know what I'm saying like it just doesn't make any sort of sense as to why it is the way that it is but deadlines and budget well that's it I think sometimes you just chalk it up and go well Star Wars which is sort of crazy because Star Wars is such a iconic franchise and without the first three you know none of this exists but the first three look so good to this day that it is sort of unforgivable when you get that really bad CGI. Right. And I understand the fact that you're not going to push a theatrical release because you need one more week of post-production for the special effects, but it's like, you need to have this done. It's Star Wars. I will gladly wait an extra week. I'm just saying. I know Disney's not going to do that. No, no studio, no, no, not even a television show is going to push a deadline for another week of post. Yeah, I'm willing to wait. Um, let's talk about some of the CGI and some of the world building that they got right. And this is some of the most impressive world building that we've seen in any Star Wars film. So after we go and we tear apart these rocks, let's talk about how great Pasana is. It's amazing. That festival of the ancestors is so gorgeous. Just the desert setting alone, but I love how they incorporated this Bollywood feel with mm-hmm. these colorful costumes and you get the big crowd and they're dancing. It it definitely felt like a Bollywood, which I thought was really cool. And Lando. You get Lando. Billy D. Williams is back. Lando Calrissian is here. It's not when you expect to see him. But my God, was it good to see Lando Calrissian again. That was actually going to be my question for you because, I mean, you've grown up on Star Wars. I've seen all of them multiple times. We've done Star Wars marathon weekends where we watch them all yeah. in the order of release. Then we did one where we watched them 
we got episode one out of the way first and watched them in chronological order. Don't ever do it like that. Um, Don't ever do it like that. But you are much more the fan than I am. I'm mm-hmm. I'm more more recent. I'm more into the new trilogy than anything else. So that was going to be my question for you was, were you expecting Lando or not? Well, I was because we saw him in the trailer, um, but well, pro- yeah. <laughs> but I was not expecting him there. How and did you think he was coming back as really? I thought he was just going to get a little cameo at the end of the film. I didn't think he was going to play the role that he played in this movie in terms of the effect that he had on the story. I thought that you had everybody but him. They just needed to get him in. Um, obviously, you've killed Han Solo off. Carrie Fisher has already passed away. You killed off Luke Skywalker. You you needed to get somebody else in there. And I kind of felt like he was, I don't want to say he was an afterthought because Lando isn't, but I thought that he was just going to have his little like, oh yeah, and I'm here too. But I was excited to see that he had as much screen time as he did, that he meant as much to the story as he did, and I was so happy that we got him this early in the movie. No, I definitely feel like he served the story, and I'm glad that they didn't just give him the cameo to pander to the fans, which is what I feel like they did by bringing Harrison Ford back when they did. No, no, that's not pandering to the fans. Real. All right, we will talk about that when we get to that You had to sell... Oh, you're talking about in this film... No, yes. and I know they're not, not, okay, we're going to put a pin in that. because We're not, talking about two different things, sorry. We are, but at the same time, I disagree with you, and I'm just putting that out there now, that they weren't pandering to the fans by bringing him here. Um, and, and there was such a great moment with him. Okay, I'm going to put a pin in it. Um, let's talk about his partner in crime, Chewie, and Chewie's fake death. Before we get to Chewie's capture, I do want to say that Canyon Chase is great, I know that you hate pod racing. Hate it. I happen to like the pod racing chase scenes, and I think this was even better. I think the setting was so cool. Uh, I I just think it's a really great chase scene, especially because you see the camaraderie. Like, now everything is squash. Poe and Finn are working together again. There's just really great character beats in there. Um, And before they get chewy... Obviously, Kylo Ren comes in as TIE Fighter, and Rey, it was it was the teaser, it was in the trailer. Yeah. She jumps the TIE Fighter. And at first, I rolled my eyes when I saw it in the previews. Now, having seen this a couple of times, I do... F- I mean, it's far-fetched, even, even for, for Star Wars, but I think what they're trying to do is establish how much power... Ray and Ren really have because they're the dyads in the force. So I think that you need to, you needed something to show that this is more than just Luke battling with a lightsaber or, or Leia using the force. I think you really needed to do something of substance. Was this the way to go? Mm. But you need to show what powerhouses both of them are. Mm-hmm. So Chewie. Okay, so Chewie, the fake death, it kills you on first viewing. But what ruins it? And I think Daisy Ridley is spectacular. I love her as Rey. I love her in the Star Wars universe. I hope we see more of her. 
this is so badly overacted, though, with that screeching squeal when she says Chewie's name. And it's a shame because the pain in her eyes and, like, immediately the tears in her eyes, like, that is that is so believable because she is a very good actress. But that squeal, that squeak, it's just really not that good. Really any of the times, that, that's the only knock that I have against her because otherwise I love her as well. I love Ray as a character. I love Daisy Ridley's performance. But anytime she screams, I noticed it's so overdone. Like even we just watched The Last Jedi and when Snoke has her suspended, she screams badly. When Palpatine has them suspended at the end of this one, you know, uh, Adam Driver's just kind of, sitting there taking it and she's screaming um and it does take you out of that moment because the screams are so bad and they're so over dramatized um as far as chewy here's the thing and i feel like it was kind of a misstep um there's no doubt that it's sad it's definitely suspenseful because they've killed han at this point luke sacrificed himself so we know that this is going to be about losing major characters and that maybe our our original cast is not, I mean, especially with Leia, you know they're not all going to make it out. Right. But I think because Chewie is such a symbol, as much as you love the other characters, this is a gut punch. However, with all of those other deaths, there is a much more melancholy score that tells you how you're supposed to feel. With Chewie, it wasn't like a... a there, there wasn't somber music playing underneath it, so I kind of knew that he was going to be okay. And that's why I wasn't... You know, I wasn't sweating that one out. Mm-hmm. How about C-3PO? Let's talk about when they go to have his memory erased. Clam it, 3PO. When it's one of my favorite lines in the movie. It's like they want to kill all of them while also killing you as an audience member when they know that he's going to lose his memory to extract this. And they're willing to do it because they have to. And he says, I just want to get one more look at all of my friends. To me, that moment is worse than seeing Chewie being carried away. Because, and and this speaks to what we were just talking about, that they're not being precious with any of their original characters. They're trying to keep us on edge. They're trying to put them all in jeopardy on purpose. But I feel like it's different with 3PO because, I mean, technically, he can't really die. And this is almost worse in some ways because... They are his friends. I don't even know that he should be having those feelings, but he does because he's an endearing character. And I'll buy into that. I'll believe that he can have those feelings. So, you know, this is this is him stepping up to be a hero. This is him making a sacrifice. But it is almost the same as him dying, too. I think the red eyes, when they eventually do wipe his memory and they get him to read in Sith. That to me is some of the roughest imagery 
that we have seen in any Star Wars film because you never associate 3PO with evil. It was very tough to swallow that visual. And he looks possessed. What I do really like about Kajimi, though, um, I like the introduction of the Zori character. I like that, you know, they clearly allude to a history with Poe. I also really love the bait and switch that now as Kylo Ren is invading Kajimi, they've managed to sneak onto his destroyer and Rey is going after the Wayfinder. Yeah. Um, Zori to me looks like the Rocketeer. Uh, totally. The um, female Rocketeer, yeah. I think the uh, introduction of Babu Frick is great because I think that he is hilarious. Yes. But they find this new droid. It's one wheel. It's got like a cone for a head. I know that they tried to tell us that he was on the mission that was taking Ray as a child to... No, it was taking you to Toys R Us. This this <laughs> thing exists to sell toys. That's how I felt when I saw the movie the first time. That's how I felt when I saw it the second time and the third time and the fourth time. Right, because you feel like he's going to be so much more of an integral part of the story. Right, and, and I think nothing. at one point, I think even Finn says... It's either Finn or Poe talking about that little droid go, I got a bad feeling about this. And I'm thinking, oh, good. Like, is this a Sith thing? Is he a spy? What is it? No, no, no payoff. No real payoff for it at all. No, they may as well have been holding up a sign that says this is a major plot point. The way that they that they built it up and it never, ever pays off. You're absolutely right. So now we have Kylo Ren destroys... No, he doesn't yet destroy the Wayfinder. He hasn't done it yet. He destroys her Wayfinder once she collects it. I want to talk about when she does go to collect it, though. Because she's got the dagger. They get to the Death Star. Always cool to see the Death Star. That never, that visual never gets old. When Rey has the vision of herself as a Sith and she's battling herself, I thought this entire thing was great. I love the symbolism of having that inner conflict. And I also love the visual of her fighting off her demons because there is a part of her that has always sort of questioned, I think, whether she is for the light or the dark. I thought it was this was important to have this scene. Well, did she question that? Or is it like Luke putting it in Kylo Ren's head that their fate is predetermined? Because when Rey starts her training, she goes towards the dark. But it's just out of curiosity because she wanted to see what was there. She wasn't... I mean, I guess you could make the argument that she was drawn to it. But she was never going to embrace it. She just wanted to see. And Luke made her feel bad about that the same way that he did when Ben Solo turned. So is this something, you know, was this a self-fulfilling prophecy? Mm. Does she truly believe that she could go dark on the drop of a dime? I think that she does. I think that she does, but I think she has the willpower not to do it. I, th I, would agree I think with she that. knows that there's this war needs to be won and the Jedi need to rise. And I think it means more to her and she knows how important it is to save the Jedi than it is to rule an empire. 
I'll buy that. But no, I agree with you. I do love the scene. I do love the the symbolism as on the nose as it is that she's battling her inner demons. Um, and I love how she took the skimmer out. I mean, you know, those waves are no joke. And everybody else wanted to wait until morning. And she's just like, nope, I'm getting this done. Um, I feel like her lightsaber fight with Kylo Ren sort of drags a little bit. But I I go back and forth with this because I feel like that kind of plays into what I was saying before um, is that they have to show the sheer power of the both of them. And I guess only as I'm talking through it now, I guess what bothers me about it is it begins to feel like Batman versus Superman and, um, and that tendency for Zack Schneider to just not cut out of a damn scene and it drags and drags. But part of that is because you've got two equally matched forces and really neither one of them can die it took leia intervening with everything that she had to distract ren long enough for ray to do something and we've seen it three times already you know it's happened in every film um i don't have an issue with the pacing so much um i think that leia's death was fitting i thought it was fitting enough um do you think that that was the death they had planned for her before Carrie Fisher no. died, though? No. You think that's what they wrote in? Yep. Um, because Carrie Fisher, her scenes in this movie are cut scenes from The Force Awakens. I know that. So I think that they just wrote They this retrofit in. it? Yeah, they retrofit it. Um, I th- But I, I thought that it was fitting. I thought that it was... It was it spoke to her as I know she's general Organa now, but call her what she call her what you want. She will always be princess Leia. I, and I think that for tried and true star Wars fans, for people that grew up on this, she's always going to be princess Leia. This was a princess Leia thing to do. And it's her own son. She's setting up her own son to die while simultaneously killing herself to win the war. Right. And that was something that they did say she had the prophecy about uh, when she laid down her saber, her son was going to die, which obviously all came true. Um, It does feel a little forced at times, you know, just in in the sense that this major character, I mean, really, she is like the heart and soul here. Her last word is Ben. Um, So in that in that regard, it does feel a little bit forced because they just had to do the best they could with what they had to work with. So I'm certainly not going to fault the filmmakers for that. Um, But it did serve her story because it was just the one word, like you said, it was to her son. So even though she knew it was going to kill him, her final word was speaking to her son, not imparting wisdom on Ray. Um, And like you said, too, she did it for the greater good. She laid down her life to destroy the First Order. Let me ask you, though, do you think that Rey meant to kill him? I think that Rey was going to take whatever shot she could because at that point you're into self-preservation. If she wanted to kill him, she would have just let him die. Because she felt Leia... Because she felt that life force go, 
That's the reason why she saved him. She knew that there would be a Ben Solo. That That's what that was. Otherwise, if that was just hand-to-hand combat, no, no he's going to die. And, and she's going to see that it happens. See, I think in a way both Leia and Rey knew that she wouldn't actually go through with it. I, I think that Leia knew Rey wasn't actually going to kill her son. I think that Leia needed to give Rey a way to get away. Um, and and even still, that's why Leia came to terms with laying down her life for it. Um, but yeah, I, I think Rey had a whole bunch of chances to kill him. I think she just meant to stun him. And I think that this was her one last ditch effort to try and get him to come over to the light. Mm. Nothing is worse about Leia's death than Chewie finding out. That reaction is a gut punch. Absolutely. This this is even sadder than her death is his reaction. It kills you. I think because as the audience, we obviously knew what happened to Carrie Fisher. So we knew it was coming a million times over, but nothing could prepare you for that. Especially because now they have set up that they captured Chewie. They get him back and you're celebrating the win of, okay, Ray got away. Poe and Finn got Chewie back and and now they're all going to get hit with this news. He didn't even react that way when Kylo Ren killed Han Solo. No. And I think that that's what made this even harder. Now let's talk about Han Solo. I want to pick up where you left off. Now maybe this answers your question. Perhaps, no, you're, you're still wrong, but perhaps your answer is justified or your question is justified as to whether or not they pander to the fanboys because I love the fact that we got to see him one more time, which would legitimize your question and perhaps your claim that they are pandering to the fanboys, but it was necessary to get him here. It was necessary. Learn me. Two things. The first, he tells his son, Kylo Ren is dead. Ben Solo is alive. Ben Solo is as conflicted a character as we have ever seen in Star Wars. I think he needed that moment with his father, that moment of, I mean, it was basically a moment of forgiveness I think he needed that moment of clarity. And I think that, not to confuse him with being a weak character, but I think he needed it spelled out for him. I think he needed it spelled out for him that Ben Solo never really died, but Kylo Ren did. And you get one more I know. The last words that Harrison Ford are really going to speak in the Star Wars universe, or I know. And I think that it was so fitting that that was his swan song. This entire thing is necessary. And maybe that answers your question, because only a fanboy would sit there and say, we got one more I know. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right, because <laughs> that didn't even click with me at first. And I really thought you were going to say Han shot first. In part of your did. argument there. <laughs> he did. Um, but that's 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 not today. But see, okay, I I can 
live with him coming back for closure. I can live with the last words being I know. And and that one more appearance because Mark Hamill also gets his. Okay, fine. But I'm really not sure that it serves the story best because I think what brings Ben back is Ray's gesture. I think she needed to show that she can best him and that at the end of the day, she can kill him and what's more, she will. But I think that her saving his life is what flipped him. And I feel like this sort of cheapens it because I think it was something he did need to realize on his own. Like, that's the thing. You know, he killed Han. In Last Jedi, he goes through so much trouble to try and take control and justify that decision. And that's why, you know, going back to what we were talking about at the top of the episode, that's why he's, he's almost regressing because it's like, well, I killed my own father and I destroyed the big bad here. So I'm still not at the top. I, I've been working so hard and I'm still not in control of everything. And I lost the girl and she's not going to do this with me. So, I kind of feel like, you know, he's already struggling with having to live with those decisions. And I feel like he should have come to terms with it on his own. Mm. Um, let's move on to, really, it's the final act. The final order. When Palpatine raises that fleet. I can't be the only person that every time we see that fleet rise you get a pit in your stomach. It's absolutely devastating. Totally. And it, it's just so well done with this air and ground attack on the destroyers as Rey is taking her last stand all by herself. It's yeah. cut back and forth so brilliantly. The pacing is great. The juxtaposition of her story and the team fighting along with her, even though she's on her own, it, it's just really well done. And it's great seeing Lando come through. So like, like, that's the yes. thing. Like Having him show up and having all of that support behind them, this is where I was so pleasantly surprised with the role that he played in this story. And I think that it was important to have a moment like that with an original cast member. Especially because a new cast member that you've learned to love is just so completely lost and so desperate. I mean, you go from a pit in your stomach to me, I get a lump in my throat when Poe realizes that he does have that team behind him and he's like, all right, knock out every one of those cannons. Everyone is a planet saved. Yeah. And that's when, you know, I kind of, I kind of get a little swell in that moment. Um, which immediately comes to an end after they kill, after they, I should, no, after Ray kills Palpatine and Ben brings her back. Before we go there, though, okay. what do you think about Ray being a Palpatine? Was that something you were expecting? No, and I'm fine with that because the whole time I was waiting to find out that she was either a Solo or a Skywalker. I, I... I think that by the end of The Last Jedi, I'd given up the notion that she was a Skywalker, but I hadn't given up the notion that she was a Solo. But I, f and I, I, I was scared that that's what they were going to do because then it would have seemed like a complete retread. Agreed. Um, 
I actually love the fact that she's a Palpatine. I had given up on her being a solo because there's just too much tension between her and Kylo Ren or her and Ben. Uh, and, and every kind of se- tension, sexual tension, uh, good and evil tension. I, right. m- I mean, it's all there. But yeah, to do that again, a long lost brother and sister. No, y- you can't do that. Like what's going on in the Star Wars universe if you go that route again. And I feel like if it had been Luke's child, I feel like that's kind of it, it's a cop out. It's a total cop out. And it, and then it, it raises more questions with who. Right. So, yeah, no, I definitely like that she's a Palpatine. And what I really like is that we discover that her parents, you know, especially because Kylo Ren gets so mean about it in Last Jedi when he's like, your parents were nothing. They died in a garbage heap. They sold Um, you for drinking money. Exactly. Like he really cuts deep with that one. So I like that we get that payoff for Ray that they died trying to save her and that, you know, that, that she gets to rationalize her parents' death and, and really figure out what her place is here. And I think that that's why, you know, when you think about, and we're, we're going to talk about, you know, we always break down the story and then we break down the characters. We're going to, we're going to break down the arcs and where these characters have landed at the end of this trilogy. But when you think back to the beginning, you know, when we meet her, she's not reluctant to take her place because she finds the Falcon. Hans takes a liking to her. She's all excited that she has a job and she's going to go off with him. But then, you know, once she gets to Luke and she has all these visions, she is very reluctant to take her place. So that's something that she's struggled with the entire time. And I'm happy that she gets a definitive answer as to where she belongs, not just with regard to Luke and Leia's training. Yeah. Let's talk about a moment that almost completely kills this scene, though. This kiss is stupid. I really can't articulate how much I truly dislike that they went there. This is something that I struggle with a lot because I would say 75% of me feels like it's pandering to the new generation of fans because there, I mean, did you see the Raylo hashtag when this came out? No, It was a whole thing. You managed to find out that people think Robin Hood and Maid Marian are sexy and that's, that's a whole underground section of the internet but you missed the Raylo hashtag yeah i mean i didn't say where i'm going on the internet i just <laughs> avoided twitter when this movie came out because no, i didn't want spoilers it was, it was twitter instagram had fan art like some some really suggestive fan art like you had to see some of this stuff i don't need to see it i've gone this long without seeing it <laughs> anyway yeah i, I of me feels like it was just pandering to a very select group of fans. 25% of me feels like you did build to this moment so much. How do you not pay off on it? But I actually would have been more than okay. You know, I, I, I love that final scene too, even though the internet ruined it with cutting Kylo Ren coming back to I Need a Hero. 
That's which hysterical. if you haven't seen it, we will link it because it's amazing. It's hysterical. Um, I love how they pass the lightsaber because by this point so much is going on and you're so focused on this battle with Poe and Finn and getting your major characters out of there you've sort of forgotten that there are two lightsabers uh you definitely forget that these two have fine-tuned their communication so much because there's no they're not speaking to each other it's all in their mind but you think that these dramatic looks on their faces and you know they're going in for the close-up you just think that we're trying to see into the character and we're trying to get a read on what they're feeling. You don't realize that they're plotting this entire thing until she passes off the lightsaber. So I love that whole thing. Um, I love that he comes back for her, but I would have been okay with him crawling out of the pit, saving her. In that moment, Ray recognizes what he did for her and it's sort of, you know, the point comes across, there's an unspoken love between them, and and then he just dies. I don't think you needed to romanticize it with a kiss. Agreed. Um, we get to the end of the film. I love Ray's saber, how it has that little, like, left and right switch, not just an up and down, it's not just a button, it's almost like a little knob that she turns... I love that. I love the color. Um, and I thought that the ending was fitting that she buried Luke and Leia's lightsabers at Luke's home. And it also leaves a lot of wiggle room for a continuation, perhaps not of the Skywalker saga, but of the Jedi and of Star Wars in general, because it is impossible. It is absolutely impossible that this is the last time we've seen either one of those lightsabers. They're coming back. They might not come back for a long time, but I truly believe Luke and Leia's lightsabers are coming back. I would definitely agree with that, but I hope that that's something that happens a long, long time from now in a galaxy far, far away. I mean, in our lifetime, yes, I would like to see it, but I just hope that they take their time with it because I feel like a lot of what people didn't like about this new trilogy and about Solo and about Rogue One was that it was too much too soon and that they weren't taking their time and really getting a good story out of it. Um, so now that we've discussed this and we've sort of come full circle to that last line, Ray Skywalker, um, I mean, I can say with all certainty it cheapens everything that happens in this film. I agree. I think it's cheesy. Um, I mean, it's it's not the most egregious thing that Star Wars <laughs> has done, that's for certain. But I would have certainly been fine living without it. Um, I mean, I, I mean, look, they pay off on the fact that she says, I have no family. I'm I have I'm just Ray. And they pay off on it later, and that's all well and good. But yeah, that that's kind of a miss for me. Right, because I didn't need her to declare this as her chosen family either. Like we, we know. get it. We get it. Um, so with that said too, you know, we're gonna start talking about the character arcs. Does it cheapen her arc? No. With all of that being said, I don't think it does. I think that 
she had the character arc that was the most appropriate for her. I feel like it was a good three-film build for her. Um, and I want to see more of her. Now, Daisy Ridley at first had said that she was doing the three and she was done. She's changed her stance on that. She now has said that if they continue to do more Star Wars films and they continue this Jedi thing, she would feel left out of it and that she would perhaps return. So I think that there's a lot of room here for growth, a lot of positive growth. Um I think she had as good a character arc as you could expect. Predictable? Yes. But that doesn't mean that it failed. See, I don't think it was predictable, though, because she was kind of... She she wasn't consistent, you know? It wasn't like the reluctant hero where you kind of second-guess you second guess yourself and you double back on your decision once you know it was being conflicted through all three films you know she at first it was the adventure and I'm getting plucked off of this planet for a better life and I'm gonna work on the falcon um you know she certainly proves herself then she's afraid to take on this enormous responsibility when she starts her training with Luke um then as she starts to embrace it, she questions it because she does want to go with Kylo Ren. Uh, and that is something that gets questioned, you know, throughout the rest of the second and third film. Um, so I definitely think that she had a strong arc. I think that she landed where she was supposed to, except for, and, and she was the one to lean into that kiss, which bothered me. Mm-hmm. I don't think she should, like if it was going to happen, he should have initiated it. Um, but other than that, I think she's got a great arc. And does the Ray Skywalker destroy that? No, but I feel like she should have had a better last line to stand on her own two feet. With regard to Daisy Ridley, I definitely hope that we see her as Ray again. Um, I think it's easy to say that she didn't want to, you know, commit to more films when she's burnt out because this is a massive amount of work. I mean, yeah. It's it's long shoots. It's very physical work. Um, Cranking out three of these movies in less than five years is a task. Exactly. And, it's, you know, the Harry Potter kids did the same thing. They were all like, no, we need a break. We, we don't want to work anymore. Um, so I certainly don't fault her for that. But I think if we see more of Ray, I don't think it's going to be in this capacity. I think it's going to be like what they did with Mark Hamill and... Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford where they're peppered in to somebody else's story. Ben Solo, Kylo Ren. Character arc. Go. Um I I love this character. I love that he is completely ruthless. Um and I love that he came back from it. Um I just wish that I I wish they didn't kill him. And with that being said, I don't want to see him come back. I I feel like Palpatine coming back on the robot arm was really weird. So I, I don't need to see anything like that. But the only thing that I do wish was that we had gotten the chance to see him and Ray rule together. So 
I don't want to say I wish he had turned earlier because I think that was a fitting ending for him again, except for the kiss. But um, I don't know. I, I wish maybe we had gotten a chance to see them rule, but maybe he was still conflicted over it. And, and maybe they were still struggling to keep him in the light. Mm-hmm. But as far as him not having a reconciliation with Leia, um, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it's definitely a solid arc, but I think it, he landed exactly where he was supposed to as well. I agree. And I think that as talented as the cast is, I think that this really did, in my opinion, cement Adam Driver as the best actor in this cast. And it's not a knock at the rest of them. He was just that damn good. Yeah, and then, I mean, you saw it come out later in Marriage Story. I mean, the the guy is a Juilliard-trained actor, so he's no joke. But you would think that he would be taking on those more serious roles like Marriage Story. And But I think, I think thanks to Robert Downey Jr., doing the superhero and the Star Wars movies is no longer a taboo thing. So it's great when you do see these really heavy-hitting actors take these roles. Um, but what's funny is that, I mean, this is really what put him on the map, not Marriage Story. I mean, he got the Oscar nomination for Marriage Story, but I actually think he's better in this as Kylo, just because not many people can do Unhinged like that, but he also, it's just amazing how he'll go from completely manic to frightened boy. Yeah, and he pulls it off really well. He did it better than Hayden Christensen ever did. Finn. Finn's character arc is weak because he's feeling the force. You wonder if he's going to be a Jedi and it leads to nothing. Now they could pick up on this and he could be a focal point of the next trilogy post Skywalker. Sure. And I think that they will. And I think that they should, but I don't know that you can end a trilogy and have a character who meant so much to the franchise not have a full arc. I'm really glad you brought that up because I thought I was the only one who thought he was kind of weak sauce. I mean, I I love the character. I think Johnny Boyega did an amazing job. Um, But what I never liked about Finn is that he seems to fall in love with every girl who crosses his path. It happens with Ray. Do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a boyfriend? Yeah. Then it sort of happens with Rose. Um, and then it happens in this one with, forgive me, the... the Jana. Thank you. Um, and looking back on it, he does have a common bond with all of them. And I think as far as his character goes, this is his desperate attempt to figure out who he is other than... FN127, or whatever his number was. Um, FN2187. 2187. I was not even close. Um, But I think that he's trying to figure out where he belongs, and I think that that's where he gets attached to these people. But it comes off in such a desperate, get-me-out-of-the-friend-zone way that it weakens the character. I'm, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I'm excited and intrigued to see where he goes from here. Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron definitely has a clear character arc. I loved him 
from the second he came on screen. I mean, Oscar Isaac, what else can you say? He's amazing. But it's a full arc. I I love I I love everything about Poe. Yeah. Um I think that him finally becoming the hero, I think everything that he went through in the second film when he was in conflict with Laura Dern's character and she basically ripped off the speech from Top Gun about Flyboy, you're dangerous, yeah. Iceman. Uh, you know, <laughs> th- like the, he he got he got the payoff. He he got what he earned. Um, not what he deserved, what he earned. Um, and I thought that that was a proper way to end his story. There's one more character I want to talk about in regards to character arc before we give our final say on this film. And that is Princess Leia, General Organa, Carrie Fisher, however it is you want to refer to her. Does she have a proper character arc? I think that she absolutely does. I mentioned it before, so I'm not going to mention again how poetic it was that she gave her life for this. Um, What I'm impressed with is the fact that they were able to accomplish that without having the benefit of pickups, without having the benefit of multiple takes, basically just piecing together cut scenes and still putting together a comprehensive story and a full character arc. And I think that that is a compliment to J.J. Abrams. I agree. I feel like if you didn't know these scenes were already in the can before she passed, that you wouldn't know just from watching this film. Uh, I think they did a really good job working with what they what they were bound to. Um, and I think that it was a fitting end for her. I mean, she gave her life to this cause and she gave her life for it. So what better way to go out? Final say on this film and really on this trilogy. I'll let you go first. I mean, here's the thing. This, I'm not saying I'm not a Star Wars fan. I am, but it doesn't mean as much to me as it does to you because I didn't grow up on this. So as far as the original cast, um, you know, I don't have that um, as much of an emotional tie as to where they're going to end up. Um, But what I will say is that the new characters made me fall in love with this franchise. You know, I loved this last trilogy. Um, I think it's extremely well done, albeit for the few things that pander to the fans. Um, You know, even those things like the kiss, they don't completely destroy the story. You know, it, it's not something as egregious as Jar Jar Binks, who is there to sell the toys and really does nothing else. And they tried to create something that the fans were going to love and latch onto and ended up destroying. Um, you know, they certainly, I feel like they learned from their mistakes with that trilogy. Um, yeah, they got rid of George Lucas. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Well, I guess that's it. That's my synopsis. (laughs) It's better without George Lucas. So I think that this film is better than The Last Jedi. 
but neither one of them are as good as The Force Awakens. Um, I thought that this was an enjoyable trilogy. Um, it's obviously better than the prequels, but that doesn't take much effort. Um, but it doesn't hold a candle to the original three films. And I don't know that anything... No, I'm not... No, that's a lie. I was going to say, I don't know that anything ever will, but Jon Favreau has figured out a way to make something in Star Wars that is as good, and I don't say that lightly, as good as the original three films. This was this was really good. I'm satisfied with it. But nothing that they did in any of these three films was as good as anything that he's done with The Mandalorian. So, I mean, that kind of puts... That maybe puts it in perspective a little bit. Um, I think that if you're looking at Star Wars broken down into their own little sectors, you have... The original trilogy, followed by The Mandalorian, followed by this, and then the the other trilogy is there only because it's in Star Wars and we have to talk about it. Um, but I, I don't want that to cheapen it. I, I think that the characters are great. I think the funny moments are legitimately funny. Um, where they pepper in comedy, I think that it works. Maybe a little... Too much comedy at times, but you know what? Listen, I'm not. I don't want to sit here and take it too seriously either. Um, I think the sets are great, the costumes are great, um, and I really, I did enjoy this very much. And I want to take a break. I enjoyed it. I want to take a break. I'm all for doing Star Wars television programs. Um, I think actually, and The Mandalorian has shown us that. Um, Star Wars works on television. Um, I, and I know that we're getting more movies. Um, and I know that they're kind of doing these Star Wars offshoots, you know, with the X-Wing movie, you know, it's going to be Star Wars meets Top Gun. And, and, um, Ahsoka. Right. That's all well and good. Um, but I don't want to see another trilogy for at least 10 more years. Would you rather see another trilogy or would you rather see a series with Poe and Finn? Do you think that would be insulting to put them in a show? No, because we just did it with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We did it with Wanda and Vision. So no, I don't I don't think so at all. No, and that's certainly not to knock the Disney Plus content with I... what they will do with a franchise show, but I guess that's that's the question is where would you rather see them exist at this point? I I'd like to see them in a buddy show. Um I think that if you take your time, if you give them a series, perhaps Ray goes in not into exile, but if she's off training the next generation of Jedi or if she's seeking out the next generation of Jedi. And you get these two guys are doing their own thing. There may be a story here that's engaging, that's fun, that's relevant. And you can also use it as a springboard to develop characters to launch a third trilogy. I would be perfectly fine with that. I'd rather have a series than a movie. Right, and then maybe by the time they come around to the next trilogy, they sort of pass the baton. Maybe the next trilogy, it's not Poe and Finn-centric. 
they're peppered in like the Skywalkers were peppered into Ray and Ben's story. Correct. Well, we want to know what you have to say about Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, as well as this latest trilogy. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio. You can also email us, monorealradio at gmail.com. News of the week is coming up, but first, a quick break. Hey, guys, my name is Mike. I listen to Jackie and Sean's podcast every week on my commute into work. So I reached out to Jackie, and she helped me put together the perfect getaway. I did a four-night Disney cruise ship, and she was able to answer every question that I threw at her. She put together the perfect dates and an insurance plan that made the whole experience stress-free. She was able to help me with little tips and tricks, like you can get a Mickey Mouse bar delivered to you any time of the day. And I think that was a mistake because now I put about 10, 15 pounds on. I'll definitely be using Jackie again in the future. Thanks for everything. So if you would like to visit Galaxy's Edge, get in touch with me through any of our social media outlets at Monoreal Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can email me directly at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, at MagicalVacationPlanner.com. News this week is brought to you by Karma and Kismet Designs. If you are looking for Star Wars, Kelly has you covered. In fact, she actually has a Star Wars ranking sheet for free on her website where you can rank all of the Star Wars films. But if you're having a Star Wars wedding, a Star Wars birthday, or if you're looking for Star Wars home decor, she's got you covered. Plus, listeners of Monoreal Radio get a 10% discount with the code MONOREAL10 at checkout. You can see all the products online at karmaandkismetdesigns.com. That's karma, the letter, and kismetdesigns.com. All right, so the news this week. Marvel got everybody excited. Marvel got everybody going. And got me verklempt <laughs> with see you at the movies. I have waxed poetic. I have pounded the table for... I don't want any more premium content. We have to save movie theaters. I think the fact that they said this, the fact that they are committed to the continuation of theatrical releases is so important in this post-COVID world. I just, before we even get into the rest of the stuff, I don't know how it made you feel. I was so excited to see that that's how they tackled it. I love that they use that phrase because it's, it's subtle. It's something that you're used to hearing, used to hearing in the previews. Yeah. See you at the movies, uh, or you know, back to the great movie ride. Um, so I love that nod, but I also love that it speaks to the bigger picture. Absolutely, and I love that we finally get some payoff on Disney Investor Day, where they they dropped all of these little breadcrumbs, and it was just titles and logos and not much else well we got a little bit more not a ton but we got a little bit more mostly movie titles the second black panther film is called black panther wakanda forever as it should be as it should be they said it's going to focus on the inner workings of wakanda while also paying tribute to chadwick boseman um captain marvel 2 is now known as The Marvels, which I'm very excited about. Yes, they confirm the return of Carol Danvers along with Monica Rambeau and Kamala Khan. We also got confirmation that in this fourth phase of the MCU, we are finally tackling 
the Fantastic Four. What? Shock. Um, you know what's going to shock me? If you actually make a good Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed the first one. I liked the first Fantastic Four movie. Now, maybe that's because I was 19. If I rewatched it now, maybe I wouldn't like it. I thought Silver Surfer was okay. The Miles Teller one was not very good. Um, just, just make a good one. Show me that you can make a good one. That's what I want. I really have nothing invested, so I'm excited that no matter what, this is not going to disappoint me. But the other thing is you have to think about how, f- obviously, how far Marvel has come. But just think about, you know, in the 10 years that they were building to the Avengers alone. When we were 19, the superhero movies were a totally different world back then. I mean, you had Spider-Man, you had X-Men. There just wasn't as much character and world building. No, they so, were they were silly and they were fun. They were a popcorn movie. Exactly. So I think this is this is going to be the one we've all been waiting for. Yes. Speaking of something we've all been waiting for, and I think that as much as I love the MCU, th- even more important than that, in June, the Disney College program is returning we have spoken a couple of times over the last few weeks about refillable soda mugs and barges at epcot and how things are starting to turn in the right direction but take it from two people that were there the day the college program kids got sent home and we have told this story on the show before i don't care to tell it again Take it from two people who were there and who saw the reaction. This is the best, other than the reopen of the parks in general, this is the best news that's come out of Disney in over a year. This one got me good today. And I don't have much more to say on that because I've spoken on the show about movies that have made me cry. I still haven't gotten through a viewing of Coco without crying. I do not want to cry like actually cry on the show. So that's all I'm going to say, but I had a moment today. Thank you guys so much for joining us this and every week on Monorail Radio. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Follow us on that social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Monorail Radio. You can also email us, monorailradio at gmail.com. We love to hear from you guys. And for links to the show, The social media and everything else, you can go find us online at monorealradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.